Hello, and welcome to Uncommon Intuition. I'm your host, Christy Hansel. Today, we're going to talk about the power of discernment. In a previous podcast, I had mentioned what intuition is and what intuition is not. Intuition is neutral, it does not cause confusion, and it isn't based on emotion or logic. Intuition is grounded and has a certain isness to it. Intuition is the truth. There isn't anything to debate when it comes to intuitive guidance. It just is. Before I continue, I want to dive into this isness that I've been talking about. And what does isness feel like? The best way to understand this concept is to use truthful statements and say them out loud to yourself. Things that are matter of fact. I'll give you an example. My name is Christy. I live in the country and I have blue eyes. Now, if you were to say these truthful statements to yourself, how would that make you feel? I want you to be aware of what's going on inside of you about these statements. Now, chances are there wouldn't be anything to feel because those statements are truthful. That is the isness I'm talking about, that matter of factness. However, if you were to make a statement that was untrue about yourself, it would most likely generate some sort of reaction. Perhaps the reaction could be physical, such as your voice cracks or your cheeks blush. Maybe you get emotional hearing the statement. Or you think you're a liar. What I'm trying to get at is there's a physical, emotional, or mental response that happens when you hear a false statement. So these type of reactions are indicators. Our internal guidance system can use these indicators to help us discern between true intuitive information and false intuition. Going within and using your power of discernment is an important step to growing your intuition. True intuition cannot be forced. You have to allow it to come to you. It comes from a place of receptivity. Much like how true intuition just is, you have to just be in order to receive it. I'm going to pause here for a minute and tell you a little bit about the forehead chakra. The forehead chakra or the third eye chakra is where we get our information. It's our receptor. It's where the intuitive guidance kind of filters through. But how a lot of people use that third eye chakra is to reach out and try to grab the information and bring it to them. Instead of being receptive and allowing the information to come, they go out looking for the information. And this is where some of that false intuition can occur. I see this again where false intuition happens is when we're stretching, reaching, and trying to gain insight on a particular matter. This can happen when people look outside to other beings, guides, and angels, as well as using divination tools such as pendulums, tarot cards, and spirit boards. This can all potentially lead to false intuition. Now, I'm not saying you can't get accurate information from other beings and divination tools. What I am saying is it's easier to be fooled and have false intuition with these things, especially if you aren't using your power of discernment. 
The best example that I can give of this is really with pendulums. You know, when you use a pendulum, it takes on your energy. So if you are not in a receptive state using that pendulum, say you're trying to figure out if you should buy a house or not and you really want to buy a house. And so you go to your pendulum and you use your pendulum and that want to buy your house will give you a reading, a false intuition reading of, yes, you should buy a house, but you weren't in a receptive state. You have to be completely blank when you ask the question and really ready to receive whatever guidance is supposed to be out there for you. And again, with other beings and things like that, you don't necessarily know what their intentions are. So you could get information from other beings, but whether it's for your higher good or not, you really have to use that power of discernment. So that's what I'm talking about when I say false intuition and how you get false intuition or false readings. Now, something else that I have seen occur is what I like to call distorted intuition. Distorted intuition can happen when you're not in that place of receptivity. This often occurs after receiving that intuitive information. So you you use your pendulum, you go in and ask, should I buy a house or not? And the pendulum swings, no. Well, that's not what you wanted to hear. So you have an emotional reaction to that, right? And that's what I'm talking about. After receiving the information, there's an emotional response to that intuitive guidance, which usually will take the form of second guessing and or being confused and skeptical of the information that you just received. That positive or negative automatic judgment as a response. This will then cause yourself or ego to come in and interpret the guidance a different way than it was intended. So using the power of discernment is key to recognizing true intuitive guidance. A little snippet that I found, I love this. As Simone Wright stated, truth has a recognizable energetic fingerprint. Your intuitive success will stand or fall on your ability to recognize that fingerprint. Strengthening your discernment is about recalling those moments when you have been able to recognize true intuition. What did it feel like? Are you able to describe the isness of the truth? Because that will help you identify the intuitive guidance as true, false, or distorted. I like to jump to the other side, the other end of the spectrum, if you will, when teaching people how to tap into their discernment. Instead of asking, what does truth feel like? I like to ask, what do lies and manipulation feel like? There is much more of a tangible and visceral reaction to that question. Even just hearing the word manipulation puts me in an emotional state of anger and confusion. Why did they manipulate me? Why am I manipulating somebody else? Like that confusion, that anger, that's kind of what I'm talking about. So confusion is the main descriptor of false and distorted intuition. Certainty is the main descriptor of true intuition. I want to put a disclaimer out there about confusion and second-guessing intuition. As a new intuitive, one will naturally second-guess the intuitive information. Figuring out your intuitive language takes time, and second-guessing is part of that learning curve. 
However, when you're more familiar with your intuitive language, that is when discernment comes into play. Discernment takes a high level of awareness. This isn't about being perceptive of outward stimuli or what's going on in your environment. This is about being in touch with your inner wisdom. Asking yourself questions to pull that inner wisdom to the forefront can help strengthen your discernment. So what do you observe? What are the sensations that you feel? Once you're really clear about those descriptors, then you'll be able to identify if it's from truth or if it's from something else. I'm going to parlay this conversation and discussing spirit attachment. A couple of times this week, I have been asked about attachments. Since discernment plays a big part in spirit attachments, I figured we can talk about that as well. I know this topic can be scary and intimidating for some people, and that's why I want to take a little break here uh, before going into this topic, just in case you want to fast forward this part. So trigger warning, if you will. Okay, here we are. Let's talk about spirit attachment. Spirit attachment can be a general overall term for spiritual attachments, cords, entities, and psychic attacks. How do they happen? Well, energetically speaking, attachments happen because the person's energy field either was open or weakened at some point, meaning the attachment was either invited in or it saw an opportunity. Now take a deep breath. I know this can be a scary topic for some of us because we live in a world of polarity, a world filled with light and dark, good and evil. And when we talk about spirit attachment, it conjures up fear. People become concerned and feel like they need protection as if there's these negative energies floating around looking for any opportunity to attach to someone. I want to disperse that fear for the time being. This is about healing. Attachments most often occur after trauma. This is because trauma creates weak spots in our energy field, otherwise known as the aura. And by the way, trauma can be caused by repeated bad habits or even bad thoughts. The other way attachments occur is when people look for a savior, meaning they're seeking out answers from outside of themselves. This is when I see people do rituals that they don't fully understand, opening portals and calling in deities or other entities. There are different types of attachments, earthbound entities, thought parasites, past life contracts, soul fragments, and spiritual PTSD. As an example, an alcoholic may attract an earthbound spirit of somebody who was an alcoholic. By the earthbound entity attaching itself to a living alcoholic, the spirit can still get its fix, so to speak. It can also get healing if the living alcoholic were to heal that addiction. So it's a two-way street. Obsessing over certain thoughts creates a thought form or a thought parasite. Thought forms can be caused by repeated bad habits as well. So thought forms will create the same drama over and over again. Reminds me of that saying, same old beep, just a different day. (laughs) Trying to keep it PG for you. 
So bad intentions directed toward you can produce an invisible dart of astral energy, which can pierce your aura. Bullies come into mind when thinking about astral darts. Those hurtful words can stick with you and become part of your own narrative. See how that those words kind of get attached and now they're part of your own narrative? That's a spiritual attachment. Any abuse can be carried around keeping the wound open, which in turn keeps that person in an ongoing loop of pain. Soul fragments, which can be classified under cords, happen with relationships that have ended. This can be an ex-romantic partner, but also with loved ones that have passed. For instance, a protective grandparent can leave a piece of their soul with their grandchild to maintain that protection. Infatuations fall under soul fragments. Infatuation with a person gives that person permission to attach their energy to you. Interesting, right? Another type of soul fragment is self-possession. This is when one's own disassociated personality, such as a rejected child, can perpetuate abandonment experiences into adulthood. So are you seeing the theme here with spirit attachments? The one clear symptom of having an energetic attachment is being stuck on a loop, experiencing the same bad situations, thoughts, and types of people in your life over and over again on repeat. Now that we understand a little better how spirit attachments occur, let's look at some of the symptoms of having attachments. Now here's a long list for those hypochondriacs out there low energy, mood swings, shift in character, brain fog, depression, sudden physical problems with no medical explanation, severe anger such as rage, suicidal thoughts, panic attacks, migraines, fatigue, seeking out adrenaline-raising experiences, OCD, and the inability to bond with others, disassociation, or feeling detached. Okay, so how many of those symptoms did you start to identify with? Are you now questioning if you have a spirit attachment? I'm sure you want to know how to get rid of them. Are you picturing an exorcism? A common misconception about getting rid of spirit attachments is that there has to be some major exertion in detaching them from a person's aura, and then the spirit has to be sent away and banished. The reality is spirit attachments need to be healed. You heal spirit attachments by healing yourself. This can involve a deep dive into those broken pieces of yourself, otherwise known as shadow work. Shadow work can seem very daunting. There is also a certain mystery about it, making it feel dark and difficult. However, shadow work is really just healing work. And the first step to healing is acknowledging those things that are denied and repressed, coming face to face with your fears and sitting with them. I call this getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Being present is the doorway to healing. It is a necessary step into clearing negative energy. So once you acknowledge those hidden things, you are brought into the light of presence. And once you've stepped into the light of presence, nothing can remain attached and hidden. Being in the present is often enough to clear away thought parasites, past life contracts, and earthbound entities. 
For other spiritual attachments, you may need help of an energy healer or a shaman, perhaps a priest. Now, to prevent spiritual attachments, using discernment is the first line of defense. I have seen people that are severely enmeshed with their spirit attachments. They can't tell the difference between their energy and the attachment's energy. This causes the person to live their life for the spirit attachment. Being able to discern your normal isness versus a distorted self can prevent spirit attachments. The main thing is that if you're in a weakened state or if you open yourself up to this, then yes, these things can happen and it can negatively affect you. You can be stuck in a loop over and over again, experiencing the same pain, the same drama, the same situations. And in order to kind of break free from that, you have to acknowledge it and you have to heal it. Once you're fully present and healed, and you're aware, then things can't stay. They can't stick with you. They might try, they might be there for a little bit, but they're not going to be able to cling to you because you're aware and things that are in the dark cannot stay in the dark once light has been shed on them. So hopefully that gave you a little bit of understanding of spirit attachments and why discernment is important when dealing with spiritual attachments, whether it's cords, entities, past life trauma, whatever it is, it's important to have that discernment because the discernment helps you to identify and helps you to acknowledge and bring things into the presence and deal with it here and now so that it can no longer kind of stay in the background and mooch off, leech off of your energy. Up next, a card reading. For today's card reading, I'm going to be using Queen of the Moon Oracle deck by Stacey DeMarco. I'm going to do something a little bit different than I normally do, which is use the guidebook to help with interpreting these cards. I'm going to go ahead and shuffle the cards now. I have found that I really enjoy pulling the cards on air, so to speak, and you, the listener, getting to hear kind of my reaction as the cards always are so magical to me. And I'm always surprised by... um, by what the angels have provided. So here we go. Two, three, there we go. Okay, so the first card, (laughs) the first card is discernment. Oh boy, okay. I love this. This goes in alignment with what we were just talking about. So uh, the first card has a woman on the card and between her two hands, kind of as if she's creating like, a magical power ball, so to speak. She's got a little moon as an orb in between her two hands. And um, her hair is off of her nape of her neck. And she's got a cloud around her forehead chakra. That really is what discernment's about, right? It's kind of cutting through that cloud. And in the middle of the cloud, there is a full moon there as well. I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, okay, so she's got, she's, she's creating this world in her hands, but she's not 
quite clear on things. And I think about how, you know, that forehead chakra is really supposed to receive instead of perceive. So are you receiving? Are you receiving that message? Let's go ahead and see what the little guidebook says. I like this guidebook because it also has affirmations in with the little descriptors. It says card number 10, discernment. Take care in your choices now. Look carefully and judge wisely. There may have been something difficult to see, something that has been obscured but now has to be revealed to you. Examine it closely. The affirmation is, I take my time to be accurate and precise in my discernment. Yes, sitting with it, taking your time, absolutely. We're going to go now to the second card. Oh my goodness. The second card is balance. And now this this card, I'm laughing because it's like the same image that was on the discernment card, except the woman is now older. And the orb that she was kind of creating in between her hands, she's now holding with her hands. And it's a larger glowing full moon. The cloud on her forehead chakra isn't as gray and gloomy anymore. It feels a little bit luminescent. And from that cloud are all the moon phases. So it's like I, I've got all the moon phases. Things are very balanced here. Let's see, that's card number 19. Card number 19, balance. It says, seek balance. Extremes of anything are rarely healthy or useful. There may be an overreaction that has caused the issue. Ground yourself and allow your strength to rise from there. Be aware of where the imbalances in your life are at the present. And the affirmation for this card is, I seek and maintain healthy balance in my life. I'm, I'm just going back and kind of rereading this for myself, just so that I kind of can understand I seek balance, extremes of anything are rarely healthy or useful, and this is the part that kind of pinged for me. There may be an overreaction that has caused the issue. Now, remember when I was talking about discernment and how reactions can cause the distorted intuition. So I'm like, oh, okay, we've learned that I am getting intuitive intuition and I am getting the correct guidance. I just need to sit with it a little bit and I need to discern it a little bit longer instead of being reactive towards it. Okay. And the next card, let's see what we've got. Okay, well, we've got uh, Sovereignty as the next card. And now the woman who had once had a cloud above her forehead chakra or in front of her forehead chakra, instead of, you know, trying to perceive, she has now received because that's what the forehead chakra does. It receives. And upon her head, she now has a crown and her beautiful red hair is draped down about her. And in her hands, she's gone back to creating that orb, but really she's creating and holding that full moon orb. And in behind her is a triangle that also signifies stability and balance. And it says sovereignty and it's card number 41. So let's see what the little book here says. Sovereignty. You have sovereignty over your own life. Act with grace and confidence. You have the ability to unite people and views should you choose to do so. The buck stops with you. You are powerful. Act like it. 
I reign over my own realm. You are powerful. Act like it. Oh, we. Yes, sometimes when we're using our intuition and starting out on this journey, we're very, very timid. That second guessing happens. We don't think we've got anything special. It's always somebody else that has something special, that has the knowledge, that has the information that we're seeking. But really, it's inside us, our own inner wisdom that we have grown confident in in order to be sovereign over our own life. So let me just, I need to take in these three cards again, okay? So you've received the information, but you've dismissed it somehow, that discernment. And then the balance comes in and you are now balanced because you are in the awareness of presence and you are able to describe the isness that you feel. It just is because I have just been with it. Um, and then that, that final sovereignty card says reign over your own realm as the affirmation. That's mastering your discernment, which allows you to reign over your own well, It allows you to reign over your own realm. That was a tongue twister. What I find fascinating with this, obviously, is when you've got that discernment, you can make life choices for yourself quicklier uh, because you're able to really define what's the right path for you and what's not. You can discern it really quickly and you can make those decisions and therefore you have that sovereignty and that balance that you need in your life. The other thing that was happening, I don't know if uh, the mic picked up in the background, is construction work was going on at my house. They're outside. We're getting ready to build some retaining walls back there. And I thought, oh, how funny that construction work is going on at the same time that this reading's going on because construction work is like building the foundations. That's what it resembles or means to me is building the foundations. And really the foundations of your intuition is that discernment. So I love that the cards came to kind of reiterate the message once again. It, it seems like they really like repeating messages to me. I don't know if you caught last week's uh, podcast, how they repeated messages back to back for me. Um, they're repeating them here again. Up next, a meditation. For today's meditation, I want to do a quick little insight before we get into the meditation. I heard a couple of things. I believe his name is Jim Kiki, K-I-K-I, who said this, and it really resonated with me, and I thought it would be really great considering what we're trying to do with discernment and being in the present. What he said is, that you want to be the thermostat in your life and not the thermometer. Meaning you need to be intentional and not reactive. You need to go about your day with intent and not go about it willy-nilly and be a victim of your circumstances. And one of the ways that he does this is to set aside some meditative time to really write out some goals on how he would want to feel throughout the day. And not only does he write out the goals, he sets some time to actually sit and kind of recreate the feeling of what he's trying to feel. So he sits 
and designs his day of feeling. So if he wants to feel loved, curious gratitude or connection, he meditates on what those things feel like, look like, sound like to him. I thought this is great. Yeah, we need to sit with that because not every day do we feel loved. Not every day do we feel gratitude. Not every day, you know, as you go, some of us have really crappy days. Let's be honest. Some of us deal with very difficult people and perhaps we are the difficult people. So sitting with that emotion could be difficult to imagine what it feels like to be loved when you don't experience it on a daily basis. My kind of version of if you need to meditate but you can't imagine is to either find a poem, write some words down that kind of correlate to love, as many words as you can think of. Maybe you have to Google search it. Just hearing, saying, speaking those things out loud creates that energy, creates that vibration and draws it to you. Maybe you need to recollect a movie or a book that you read that had that energy in it that you're trying to feel. Whatever way that you need to do in order to obtain that feeling for a small brief moment as part of this day, please do so. I love that we're trying to meditate and I I believe there's a dirt bike in the background here. But it's like, get going, right? Was the dirt bike do it? It celebrates. Let's charge ahead. Let's get going to it. So I'm going to go ahead and get going to it. Let's do some crystal singing bowls and meditate on the emotion and the feeling that you want to feel today, but you may not be able to get it other than creating it yourself.
Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Intuition podcast. If you liked what you heard today, think about subscribing or leaving a review for others to see. If you want to learn more about me, go to uncommonintuition.com or you can check me out on TikTok. I go live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My username there is uncommon underscore intuition. You can also check me out on Instagram. My username there is uncommon intuition. Until next time.